Well, hello, my little love bugs, oh and welcome to the special Valentine's episode of Horror Huns. I am your eternal hopeless romantic, V. And I'm also a hopeless romantic, so we're just two hopeless romantics with a horror podcast. Um, I'm Meg. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Hey, hey. We're bringing back the horror news segments because we've missed it. I mean, there hasn't been anything exciting, but there's a couple of things that um have come out in the last week um, when we're recording this that I was like, oh, let's just talk about that, shall we? So the first bit of news is that Dexter New Blood has been cancelled. It will not get renewed. Um... For a second season and you know what i don't i don't blame them for cancelling it i tried to watch it and i could not get into it and i loved the dexter series i was a huge dexter fan i watched dexter when i was in high school and it was one of those shows that i was like hyper fixated on when i was a me teen. too but i never watched the last two episodes of it because everyone shit on it so hard and we know that i have an issue finishing things that's just who i am yes so i was like "Eh, we'll just like wikipedia synopsis the ending and i hadn't heard good things about what is it called new blood Mm, Um, yeah i hadn't heard good things about it so i didn't watch it so i'm just yeah (laughs) it it was a really fucking weird concept I was pretty excited for them to bring back Dexter because of how much I loved the original series. I think I watched like two, three episodes of New Blood and I was just like, I'm, I can't with this. Like, I cannot get into this at all. I, I don't like it. Don't like it. It like tarnishes the name of Dexter. Ooh, well, that's not a very hot review for that. I don't no. know. There was things in Dexter that I thought were, oh my god, so intense. Like, the whole mm. Trinity Killer storyline. I am Ugh. sorry. Holy god, that was good TV. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, that's that's why I didn't want to watch those. Because I'm like, I don't want this to taint my love for Dexter. So I just didn't. So in my yeah. mind, it's all good. It's all good up here. If you're gonna do a revival series of a beloved, you know, serial killer crime show, do it right like Criminal Minds. Like Criminal Minds Evolution, I fucking love. I loved Criminal Minds, but Criminal Minds Evolution, there is something about it that just goes, oh. Here's my thing. I haven't watched it yet because I want to binge watch it because like that's the type of person that I am when it comes to Criminal Minds. I want to just sit down mm. for a whole day and just at the end of the day be like, everyone is a killer outside. I'm scared. But you want to know what I think that they should revive because this person is having a career renaissance right now and that is Buffy. Sarah Michelle Gellar is in that um, show Wolfpack. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, but I've heard good things about it actually. So it's on my watch list, but that would be sick as hell. And I saw a TikTok recently that it was Freddie Prince Jr. talking about how he could be in horror movies like for the rest of his life. And I'm like, Yes, yeah. can we please, for the love of God, get them both back into horror? Like, give us something. We need to talk about I Know What You Did Last Summer at one point because uh, those movies are kind of good. <laughs> honestly, like, 
them two iconic separately iconic together just um fashionable like uh i love them so much and she is mother mm-hmm. everyone is correct she is mother and freddie pitt jr is like he's father he's daddy yeah like pedro pascal but that is a different story for another day <laughs> he was on <laughs> snl last night i, I yes. didn't watch it because i went to sleep super early but yeah he was on snl i've seen clips I've seen clips. Uh, he is fucking hilarious, but also very stunning. And I'm very excited for more episodes of The Last of Us. But also, it's not horror, but Mandalorian is going to be on in a few months. So we're going to have The Mandalorian and The Last of Us on at the same time. So it's doubled Pedro Pascal. And I'm so excited for it. I love him. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. We Me derailed too. from your horror news. Do you have other horror news? Yes. Um. So... The 90s lot of Yellow Jackets have just wrapped filming. Which I'm like, that's a pretty fast turnaround time. I don't know what they were shooting. Yeah. But I mean, they have like a little over a month until it comes out. So that kind of like surprised me. Mm. Maybe there was like some reshooting they had to do or something like that or stuff they wanted to add in. I'm guessing that they've maybe filmed the adults part already or they're close to finishing the adults. But like... The kids, like the younger versions of the characters, are done. They're wrapped. They're all. They survived it, and it just makes me more excited for the the new series to come out. Like I, I am ready for us to do a deep dive episode on all the episodes when it comes out. Oh yeah, me too. Um, so I remember last year when I got you into it, then I got my dad into it, then I got Val into it, then I got Margot and Trevor into it, Hugh into it. I have tried to like spread my Yellow Jackets love and it has reached one of my internet friends who listens to our podcast um i actually gave mariah my hulu password so (laughs) she could watch it and so shout out to mariah's crystal studio you guys check her out on instagram she has really pretty crystals after she finished yellow jackets she sent me a a nine minute voice memo of like (laughs) thoughts theories opinions and i was like yes like that show is so good and something that we were talking about when we were sending each other voice memos was this show could go in so many different ways that it's really hard to like keep up with there's so many different storylines from the 90s kids to today Mm. i am so eager to know what this season is gonna bring us because you had no idea what was gonna happen in season one Honestly, honestly, I've never been so captivated by a TV series. Yes. Well, I have, but in a very long time, like, like generally so excited and anticipating for the new series. Like, it's not even funny how gripped I am to find out what is going to go on. Because, you know, if you've listened to our episodes on Yellow Jacket series one, you, you know how many theories we've gone through, how many theories we personally have questions and we hope there's answers in season two but like what if there's no answers in season two what if we're just gonna get more questions i know i know it's so good like i'm excited but i'm sad that we have to wait week 
by week because like i said i'm somebody that wants I to know. binge watch something so mm, yes and my last bit of horror news which i'm very very excited about is that the five nights at freddy's film has just started shooting and it's very exciting because matthew Leonard is gonna be in it and he's gonna be my full captain and i'm so excited for it <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm interested because, uh, this is another one that I have zero knowledge about. So, um, I just know that there's like weird creatures in it. So. All, all I'm going to say is the animatronics are being created by the Jim Henson's Creature House. (laughs) That's going to be good. Exactly. And if you've got Matthew Lillard as well, returning back to horror, like girly it's gonna be sick i mean i know it's by blumhouse but i'm 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 optimistic hoping for the best i'm optimistic for it because i can't i can't handle the disappointment for the five nights of freddy's film (laughs) i feel like they have to if they haven't already pivoted from the last of us because like now people are gonna hold video game movies so high like you know what I'm saying? And with them starting Literally. to do more of them, I, the Literally. stakes are very high for the video game market right now. You are correct on that. And I saw a TikTok and I think Matthew Lillard accidentally let Sykes slip when he was doing an interview because um, I think he said like, oh, I'm, I was going to do this, but I actually signed on um, to shoot Sykes in Connecticut. I think it's Connecticut, he said. Um, a film called Five Nights at Freddy's and I've signed a three picture deal it's gonna be a trilogy so far of five nights at freddy's and i don't think he was supposed to say that <laughs> i don't think he was supposed to say that he was signing a free picture deal <laughs> well i saw a matthew lillard tiktok where they were just like so like they haven't confirmed about stew like what's up about that and basically like he was signing this stuff and like again you don't know if these people are trying to be coy or like if he's a hundred percent genuine with this but he was like yeah, I mean, uh, they're filming and I'm here. So, I mean, if that tells you anything. So, people are, like, personally asking this man, like, are you going to be in Scream 6? No, but people have got to realize that if you ask someone that has signed an NDA, especially if their character has not been shown any promotional materials, trailers, anything like that, it's not on the casting list, and then does appear in that, and he says like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be in it before it's actually revealed." He 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 would probably get sued. Oh, <laughs> he yeah, would be he in would. a lot of trouble. So like, stop asking Matthew Lillard if he's gonna be in Scream because if he is, he can't tell us. If he isn't, he doesn't want to outright say no. Yeah, he doesn't want to be like a liar. But yeah, it is what it is. I'm super excited for that movie. But yes. V, are you excited to talk about the movie we're talking about today? Because I am. Uh, Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so this is a movie that I recommended V watch, and I was super pumped about you watching it, and I'm interested to know (laughs) what you think about 2016's The Love Witch. Because I adore this movie, but I don't know if it's going to be your type of movie. So... I will say it's not something I would go out of my way to watch. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I enjoyed watching it. It was really good. Like, I I did enjoy it. However, 
would I go out of my way to watch it again? I don't think I will. Well, that at least makes me happy because like our topic previously with South Korean horror is like, I don't ever in my, um, you know, view list, like I don't have a lot in them. So it's like interesting when we get to like share things that we wouldn't necessarily think the other person would go for, but they end up liking it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. It was definitely at some parts I was like, okay, like this is something I'm watching. Cool. <laughs> but I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the aesthetics. I did enjoy um Samantha Robinson's portrayal as Elaine Parks, who's the main character in The Love Witch. I felt some of the writing was a bit funny to me, like some of it I couldn't like really go Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it I was just like some of the writing is just a bit Ooh. okay but... <laughs> I wouldn't say it's like an awful film I did enjoy it it's really good like it's good it is worth watching like for sure especially if you like films that are like filmed from modern day that have a nostalgic feel to them um and there are like some like modern technology in it so it's like very like for me i think that's what also threw me off it's like it has an aesthetic for 1970s film but it's got modern technology in it so but also it doesn't have modern technology in it so i'm i was just like sat there sometimes very confused of like what time period i'm watching yeah so i watched this movie about a year ago or so and i've rewatched it for the episode but i was with hugh and reed and val and we had cheesecake and pie and wine and there was a fireplace and it was like such a mood. But I feel like you almost need that for this type of movie because like you said, like it is um, supposed to be like an homage to like 60s horror and it was shot on 35 millimeters. So it has like this like hazy kind of feel to it because it's very like dreamlike. Um, and you said about like the writing. So um, Anna Biller, she directed, wrote, edited, produced, did costume, did scoring for this. Like, this is her baby. And when we watched that, like, the title sequence, Val was like, oh, she basically did everything in this movie. Meg, that's, like, your favorite type of combo. Because I love, like, when we get movies where somebody has thought about this in its entirety. Like, they know exactly what they want to do with it. So I really, like, admire her for that because, like you said, it's it's different. Like, I'm not going to say that it's not. Um, So it came out in 2016 and we were laughing about, like, oh, they're driving vintage cars, but, like, the person behind them has, like, <laughs> a suburban hatchback. Like, it, it was kind of off. So, like, I get what you're saying about that. Okay, so I'm not, like, uh, like, it needs to be historically accurate sort of thing, but, like, if you're, like, trying to, like, tell me that it's one time period, but then you're throwing me, like, modern time period in there, mixed with it, my brain just can't, just goes, no. This film is absolutely ridiculous. Why is there an iPhone in this time period? Why is she the only one I've seen with an iPhone? And why are they dressed like this? And why is she driving this? And all this stuff. It's why I think, like, I personally wouldn't... I haven't watched the film, but I don't think I would get on with Don't Worry Darling. Oh, yeah? For me, it needs to be, like... I need to be told what time period I'm in. No, I get that. But then when when I, then I don't see modern technology, I'm back in the film. <laughs> I think that whoever is listening to this episode, if they haven't seen this movie, should just like 
go and Google its aesthetic to, like, understand what we're Mm. talking about because it is, like, very dreamy. It is. I think that this movie is also kind of like a horror fantasy, and I think that that is maybe you're taken out of that fantasy when you see modern items in something that's supposed to be like an illusion of a time period, but you could also argue that that is like, Annabella is like a huge feminist filmmaker. So this movie kind of is supposed to represent like what a woman in the 60s was meant to like seem like and feel like so I'm not gonna say that she wrote Elaine to um I don't know what the correct word is but like psychotic but like that could be sort of part of her fantasy that she is like this love witch with these particular gender roles in a certain time you know what I'm saying But other than that, like, it taking you out of the moment, did you enjoy the storyline? Um, it was very strange. Okay. In some parts. The, like, Renfair sort of thing, uh, that came out of nowhere. Like, one moment they were riding horses, and the next we were at a Renfair doing a pretend wedding. It, like, escalated very quickly for me at some parts. But I... I enjoyed the, like, professor line, like, the storyline, because that felt to me like a good gradual growth of a story. Yeah. And then him just, bam, being dead. (laughs) Sorry. Spoiler alert, men die. Yay. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So we meet Elaine, and she's, like, driving down, like, a California coast, and she's moving because she needs, like, a fresh start after her ex-husband's murder. And yeah, she pretty much tells us in the beginning, like, oh, the cops couldn't exactly pin that murder on me, but they had their suspicions, which rightfully so. And Jerry, her ex-husband throughout the movie, sounds like a real fucking piece of shit, like saying that she isn't doing enough stuff around the house. She isn't taking care of herself. She's gaining weight, like yada, 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 that type of shit. But I just wish that she would have clapped back at him for that horrible wig. It was horrible his hair was horrible the men in this movie i was like girl samantha robinson um is Mm. captivating in this movie Mm -hmm. and i feel like part of the reason is because anna biller cast her because of how she acted but then kind of rewrote the role around her femininity which I, i think is cool because she owns that but i'm like girl you have a horrible taste in men which could also be commentary on something True, 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 true. And the way that Samantha portrayed Elaine with how soft she spoke, it kind of felt like it was hypnotizing you as an audience. So, like, hang on every word she said and was like listening to all this pain she went through of how desperately she wants to be loved and you know before um after her husband died that's when she turned to being a witch that's like you know our point and like for those who don't know there's a line from this film that came very popular on tiktok oh it's i played over music and it's like the day he left me was the day that i died and i was reborn as a witch that line became very popular on tiktok yeah i remember that and like people yeah so like when i heard that i was like i'll slay like that's a very good line like it's a very very good that's line. what i'm saying like some parts of this movie are so so good and like elaine to me encapsulates like 
what a woman in the 60s was supposed to represent and she wanted nothing more than to be loved and like Mm -hmm. she thinks that she's going to be able to receive that love by giving a man like his ultimate fantasy and like Mm. a sexual partner she can be that for him but she can also be like this perfect like wife and be what the men or you know the victims (laughs) get from that fantasy like it's she is so meticulously written and I could get why on surface level people think that that is what the movie is but I feel like it's so much deeper than that but we need to take a second to talk about when Trish takes Elaine to her new apartment in this Victorian house because oh my god I fucking want that apartment it was so aesthetically beautiful it reminds me of like the 2000s you know like the deep blues and like the astrology and the moons and the stars and like how vibrant everything was it was just stunning that apartment yeah her apartment was beautiful but what was also beautiful was that tea room so trish is kind Mm. of like a friend to elaine sort of in a sense and elaine kind of tells trish like what she thinks she should do like you know give a man everything that he wants be a good like attentive listener and like be sexy and give him his fantasy and trish is kind of just like that is insane like no, why mm. would you want to do that? She was almost like her voice of reason. And then she goes off and meets Wayne, the teacher that you're talking about. And I feel like this movie definitely shifts when we get to that cabin. Mm. Because we see Elaine seduce and like cast her spell on Wayne. And like, yeah, it is with some hallucinogenic herbs. But I thought that the kaleidoscope kind of colors when she was like dancing and stripping for him were amazing no honestly but like his acting was cringy (laughs) like he's like what's that rainbow what is this and she's like like she's so like gentle and he's like whoa this rainbow is psychedelic man (laughs) it made me laugh (laughs) i again feel like that is because it's an homage to like 60s cinema because sometimes their acting was not the best like it is kind of like over the top and especially when like she can tell that she has made this potion too strong because he is like madly in love with her like almost Well, definitely too much. Like, he loves her too much. And her fantasy of, like, what she wants in a man, like, strong and, like, not too emotional. And when Wayne can't handle it, like, she's annoyed almost. And he is so over the top. I would be annoyed too. I was just, oh. I was kind of glad he died because then I didn't have to go through his acting anymore. Yeah, she was kind of just, like, like fuck you know fuck Rainy. he's too pussy whipped yeah it's just the, the scene where he's like in the wheelbarrow and she's like pushing him in the garden and it's like this scene is fucking hilarious because like he's upside down in the wheelbarrow and she's like trying to push him along yeah i mean she does what anyone would do in that situation um gives him a shallow grave and then um, puts her used tampon in a bottle of her own piss uh, to bury him with. Casual first date. Mm-hmm. Very cash. 
It's a witch thing. <laughs> the the part about this movie that was kind of like interesting to me that I don't know if I necessarily liked was the coven aspect of this movie when mm. we meet um her coven because you know even in her initiation she's basically like having to submit herself to another man you know what i'm saying and she's mm. constantly playing a this gross man yeah a gross man like she's constantly playing a submissive role which i mm. feel like in actuality is completely the furthest thing from what she actually wants yeah she wants love but i think is ignoring the fact that it takes two to be in love yeah and obviously after the death of the professor and she's buried him she then sets her eyes on trish's husband yes because i feel like trish in the tea room kind of like sets up you know oh like that's not love and almost to be like yeah it's not love because love takes communication and like equal participation and Trish, you don't have that. So when you go to Dallas for your furniture convention, girly, you know, I'm going to snatch your man. And she does. And I think that it's smart how she wrote Elaine to have this submissive role, but like flips the script by giving her her sexuality mm. because she uses that to seduce Richard. And I felt like it was a really interesting pivot for her to like kind of watch her do that. Again, another really ugly man. I know. She has a horrible taste in men. <sighs> Amen, sister. So do I. And, like, uh-uh. is she doing it just to, like, kind of rebuke what Elaine said about her in the tea room? Like, is she doing it to be shady or is she just doing it because she wants to get somebody that she actually knows? Interesting. It might be that or it might be the fact that she, like, saw that you know this man was capable of marriage capable of love so why not see if you know he was able to give that love to her that commitment to her she invites him over and they talk about like oh she asks how long they've been together and she's he's like oh 10 years she's like wow 10 years she was like no one's ever loved me like that and then he's like well what about your husband and she's like my husband never loved me yeah he just wanted me there. He withheld his love from me. <laughs> Torture. My favorite part about that whole scene is when she gets out that red boa because, like, she's so fucking hot. She mm-hmm. is so hot. Like, I, the first time I watched this movie, I was like, I gotta rewind this shit. <laughs> what just happened? Yeah, she's so captivating. This is obviously after she's been in, like, the burlesque room and spoken to, like, the leader of the coven. They're like, oh, we're still teaching, you know, the seduction dance, like, that sort of thing. And then we see her implement the dance, like, spell in with her, you know, sex spell and, you know, love spell. You know, she uses a lot of fucking spells in this one. And it works. Richard's like giggling and he's like, who are you? And she's like, I am the woman of your fantasy. Yeah. And like, she's trying to give him that fantasy. And just like Wayne, it's too much. He can't handle it. He ends up Mm -mm. unaliving himself. And Trish's whole world is like 
spinning like she's just like there was an she tells elaine she doesn't know that it was elaine but she tells her like there was another woman like he was so in love with her and like she didn't say anything to him she knew that something was wrong he we get that scene where he's crying and trish is just kind of like standing there looking at him and he's like nothing go away which i think is another commentary on what a healthy relationship is and i think that elaine knew that that wasn't healthy and if that was another casualty then so be it but like Mm -hmm. we get a really um bonkers scene to me when Trish goes into Elaine's apartment to return a ring and finds her wig and her eyeshadow and her lingerie and she dresses up like Elaine which could maybe be like a commentary on women now changing themselves based on social media and like influencers and how easy it is to compare yourself to someone that you don't even know because they have something that you like or think is attractive and then she turns around and sees that this person that she's dressed up as is the person that Richard was sleeping with because she finds Elaine's altar and like we get a really crazy scene where Elaine comes home and I would be like, what the actual fuck right now? She she does, but she picks up a knife instead. Yeah, she's like, which I give her. Like, somebody that you don't know is in your house. Or maybe she didn't know that it was Trish. And she's just like, this intruder. I feel like she knew. I feel like she may have left her ring deliberately with Trish. And I think she knew Trish would drop it off. Even after the voicemail. I think she knew what she was doing because that also played into you know the police officer aspect yeah but her next lover who was actually kind of an attractive man yeah he was kind um, of he was but i think that it's really interesting that when met with confrontation with a woman elaine cowers like she backed down like she was like oh no and was like screaming and i thought that that was kind of interesting to see because the whole movie Mm. you see her be really really confident until another woman knocks her down but the police officer griff i thought that it was interesting that in a sense he was everything that elaine wanted but she couldn't handle the emotional attachment that her partners had with her and griff is the exact opposite and we get to know that when they go to the rent fair together as a first date like he's quite literally like on a white stallion like the man of her dreams and we get these monologues from both her and him and he's basically saying that love makes you soft and the more time that you spend with a woman the more annoying she is and the less likely that he is to like her and she's the exact opposite sentiment um so in theory he is the man that she is looking for she wants someone mm-hmm. that she can dote on and is strong-willed, but it's definitely not what she needs. No, I think she's she's searching for the impossible within a mm-hmm. partner. Mm-hmm. Because she wants it to be immediately perfect and stay that way and have the right balance of, like, I think she was looking for the replacement of her first husband. He was horrific but this might be also a commentary on abusive relationships yeah 
like even though you're out of it you think that's what love is and that's what you seek in your next partner you expect them to be a certain way and when they're not and they're already so accommodating to you gives you compliments like is obsessed with you but like not in you know like the you're a bitch you need to fucking change yourself but like wow you're so perfect i love you in every single way like i can't live without you she doesn't like that she doesn't want that because that's not what she's experienced from the first love and that's what she's searching for so I think I cracked the code. You did. (laughs) And her love magic doesn't work. Griff makes her powerless and she can't comprehend that it didn't work because he refuses to participate in her process. And that strips her of her power. Like her power is her sexuality. And so when she doesn't get his love, she literally has to take it. Yeah. Which got showed to us in the picture the painting she's like you know stabbed someone has his heart in her hand and has the wine spilled because then we get a scene of like he's saying that he's gonna arrest her for the like the unlawful burial of the professor uh because the dna came back and it's like shown it was her so he had to arrest her and then we get this really like very unsettling scene in the burlesque bar where everyone is saying burn the witch, but they basically strip her on the floor and the men start to doing undoing their pants and it was very, very unsettling. And I was like, how far is this gonna go? I know this film is rated fifteen, but how far is this willing to go? Yeah, which I think is also a commentary on people talking about women's sexuality now a days like her being so sexually like liberating and people judging her because of that or still to this day people judging others for uh practicing witchcraft or paganism or whatever else you you go for so it's or owning, just crazy owning their sexuality yeah like People like, especially women, like um, a modern example of this is recently there was a big thing about um, deep fake porn. Ooh. Yeah. And it's been a lot of like female Twitch streamers, like very popular female Twitch streamers and a male Twitch streamer who's like colleagues and friends with some of these females. He was searching something on his PC while live on stream and it popped up when he's like searching like a little window of deep fakes of the females that he works with what yeah and like he came out and he's like i'm really sorry i'm really embarrassed and like one of the women that came out that was like you know people found that you know that she had like deep fake ai porn of her she was like please don't sexualize me like if i choose to sexualize myself that is my choice i don't want other people to sexualize me because that's not okay like that's not it and i think this film is this kind of telling the same thing like if women choose to sexualize themselves then that's more power to them when other people choose to sexualize you without you know you choosing that for yourself you kind of get put on like this like weird pedestal of people thinking like you're this entity and this being it kind of takes a bit of like humanity away from you Yeah, 
And I think in a way, like, you see that in that final scene, but also when her partners give her so much love and admiration, it's too much for her. Like, this is all too much. You only go want it to go to a certain point, and when it goes past that point where there's that fine line of needing your boundaries, but she goes about creating boundaries in a very unhealthy way, which is killing them. Yeah, yeah, like... With the professor we saw, like, after they've made love, he, like, starts crying out for her. He's like, Elaine, where are you? And she's sat there smoking a cigarette going, what a pussy. (laughs) Like, it's like, girl, you asked for this. Like, what do you mean he's a pussy? Like, hello? Yeah, so, like, and that is an issue when you do put yourself out there to an extent is, like, there's always going to be people that take it too far. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that Griff won't play into any of that because it goes so against what he values for himself that she just can't believe it. And so she literally becomes this painting. And the entire film, we see the Three of Swords, which is a tarot card. And Elaine says that, love the mood lighting, but Elaine says that she knows that when she pulls that card, that her soulmate or like the person, like her destiny is going to come into her life soon. And that's so compelling because when the Three of Swords is pulled upright when you're reading tarot, it means pain and suffering. Like it means grieving and being at like an extreme low point in your life. And there's like storm clouds on the horizon in the deck and that's literally supposed to mean like that is what you're pulling is like there's something looming, something really deep, dark, and sad. And I feel like that goes to show you how skewed Elaine's vision of love is. That her pulling that card that does not have very good meaning telling her that her soulmate is here is the exact opposite because it means that you are going to be suffering. So to her, love is suffering. And like, that is so fucking sad. But when she is pulling that card, it really says something about Griff. Like, he fulfilled her. Like, that is her card. That is her destiny. And that is so fucked up and dark when you take a step Mm -hmm. back to look at it. No, 100%. And I think uh, this is what I'm interpreting the ending from. Uh, Like, as she stabbed him, I think she then comes to that realisation of what the true meaning of that card that she pulled was. Yeah. Because she then, all of it, she she's so calm when she stabs him and then, like, we get flashes of the painting and the tarot card and she, like, starts panicking. She kind of, like begins to hyperventilate from like a panic attack because I think in that moment she's realized that that tarot card does not mean what she thought it meant. Yeah, he is the man that she has been waiting for, but in a totally different sense of what she thought it was. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But did you interpret the ending a different way or? I kind of interpreted the ending of her stabbing him was kind of like a self-actualization she was kind of like going through like what brought her here and like what her her destiny was completely different than what she anticipated it to be or what she wanted it to be 
You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I thought that it was like a moment of like clarity and actualization for her, which was crazy and sick and demented and sad. But my question is, I forgot what my question was. (laughs) (laughs) But I did need to talk about something that really did disturb me in this movie. And that was the jester at the Ren Fair. That Ren Fair was so... I didn't like it. It was so out of place. So out of nowhere. Literally. I didn't like it. But yeah. Um, oh, I remember. But the real question is, do you think that she's going to get away with this murder? I don't think she will because she's actually committed the murder. The professor had a heart attack. The Richard killed himself. She's actually murdered him. She's well, got his blood on her hands, so I don't know if she'll get away with it. I mean, if she used her witchy witch powers, then yes. But if she decides not to, then I don't know. I don't know if she'll get away with it. I feel like Griff's partner that he punched, um, that was trying to warn him of Elaine, is going to come after her. Mm. But for some reason, I just feel like she's just going to... She's a smooth, smooth criminal. But maybe it's because she bewitched me. Like, I am in love with Elaine. She's, oh my god. I know that sounds horrible. She's stunning. She's perfect. She looks like a lander eventualista. Yes, exactly that. So, let's give it a letterbox review number, V. What would you rate this on a scale of one to five stars? I've already done my letterbox review and I gave it, I gave it three and a half. Okay. I'm not too upset with that rating. I rated this four and a half stars because I thought that it was just a half an hour too long. Yeah. I literally watched it and I was like, this film is fucking two hours. Hello, please end my life now. I felt like you could have, like she could have cut down the tea room scenes definitely yeah um because those were like very long and at some point was nauseating because everything was pink yeah um i thought it was just a little bit too long other than that i fucking love this movie i'm glad that you watched it and i'm glad that you thought that it was decent yeah yeah i mean i won't watch it again but i'm glad i've <laughs> experienced it and you thanks know- I just recommend people watching it like one time. If it becomes one of your favorite films, then good for you. But like, just don't be rude about it because it's like a feminist film. I was about to say like, that is um, some issues with a lot of people reviewing The Love Witch, which I feel like maybe does it a disservice to some population of viewers because I don't think that it is like a feminist film that shoves that down your throat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like it was tasteful and it was yeah. aesthetically pleasing and had a really de- like decent storyline. I just thought it went on a little bit too long. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But do you think that she was a good topic for Valentine's Day? I mean, yeah. I mean, preferably I would have liked my bloody Valentine, but, you know... Uh, fine okay we'll do things about which oh no it was a good topic for valentine's day um next year i would like to do my bloody valentine though okay we can do my bloody valentine are we doing Ooh, we should do a versus for my bloody valentine we should do the remake versus the original god i know what would win (laughs) 
Doesn't that have somebody from Supernatural? Doesn't it have? Yes, yes, Jensen it did. Jensen Na- yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Look, I can't, I can't say anything because I had a pillow pet when I was younger named Dean, um, solely for Supernatural because I loved Dean. I never watched it. <gasps> okay, well, it started to get stupid after they. This is a this is a horror hunt's hot take. Supernatural started to get stupid when they had episodes where they V would legitimately kill the characters like 30 times and then just bring them back to life. Like they would go to hell and then just bring them back. Like mm-hmm. what stakes is that? Hello? Any anything I don't can know. happen and it's fine. Trust me, everything I've learned about Supernatural was a beginner against my will. <laughs> <laughs> I so don't know sorry. how I don't know how I know certain things. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so sorry that I just told you that against your no, will. No, no, no. No, I knew, I knew that they, they did that because that's when Cove learned. Oh, I was on Tumblr for a very long time as well, don't forget. So, like, it was very popular on there. And you followed me on Tumblr, so, sorry. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's how we became besties. <laughs> we got traumatized from Tumblr. Yes, and if you want to be besties with us, you can follow us or message us on social medias. V, tell them what our social medias are. Is it is it social media or social medias? Since it's plural, social media yes. That's what it is. V, what are our at yeah. names? Wait, Instagram is at Horror Hunts Podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and then. Twitter is Horror Hunts Pod. Yes, because they only let you have a certain amount of characters for your username. Like, they only give you a certain amount of characters for your actual fucking tweets. Twitter, get, get on that. You're talking to Elon Musk, who fired pretty much all the staff. Does he still own it? At the moment, yes, unfortunately. Oh, God. I know. I know. I'm sad. I'm sad Me after too. today's episode. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> what a depressing way to end. Um, such a cute episode because i'm a valentine's day girly i love valentine's i love love just call me elaine i just like we said earlier we're hopeless romantics which is a very good album from the bouncing souls so you should give it a give it a listen (gasps) the bouncing souls they're so good okay i'll link you anyway v do you have any final thoughts for today's episode i started off this episode confused and i've ended it confused (laughs) well I think I've ended it even more confused, so... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>